All right, I want to welcome all of our campuses to the fifth week of our series entitled Brave, a study in the book of Daniel. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Man, we're excited. So, so excited. Hey, today I'm going to be teaching out of the book of Daniel, probably on the story that is the most famous. I'm going to be talking to you out of Daniel chapter 6 on Daniel in the lion's den. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Daniel chapter 6. For those of you uh, that have not been here the last couple weeks, I want to just do a little bit of recap. Previously in our study, actually in the very beginning, we saw a major shift that took place for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, a group of young Jewish boys. In 605 BC, they were in downtown Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, they were overtaken by the Babylonian Empire that came from the east, and they were deported back to Babylon. The Bible talks about this deportation. Actually, there was three major ones where the Jewish people, the Hebrews, were taken from Jerusalem, from that region, back to Babylon. Daniel went on the first flight of people. It's interesting when you think about this, Daniel wakes up with his friends in, I want to say this, in a strange land, surrounded by, watch this, strange people, worshiping strange gods, eating strange food, and they even got strange new Babylonian names. Everybody say strange. Come on, one, two, three, say it. I mean, they were Hebrew boys in a strange, strange land. Talk about a culture shift. Uh, Talk about having to adapt and having to be able to have their eyes wide open. And uh, I mean, there was a, a massive, massive shift. And the whole series has been about how do you thrive? How do you thrive in a culture that has shifted around you? How do you stay true to God? Remember, they worship Jehovah God. Now they're living in a land of worshiping many gods. How do you stay true to God when you're in a peer group that doesn't believe like you? How do you stay true to God when you're in a work environment, in a home environment? How do you stay true to God when things shift around you? It's interesting as I was studying this week and I began to think about the challenges that Daniel faced and his friends. Again, at the end of last week's message, we saw another transition. Uh, We we saw that the Babylonian empire, in essence, was overcome by a new empire. Now, it's interesting, on week one and week two, I talked about the Medo-Persian empire. I wanna give you guys just a 30-second insight. The Medes and the Persians, in essence, were two tribes from the the Iranian region of the world today. And in essence, I'm giving you a short history lesson. In essence, they came together to be called the Medo-Persian Empire. Well, they overtook the Babylonian Empire. So here it is. Daniel now is an older man in his life. He's still living in Babylon, but Babylon's not controlled by the Babylonians anymore. Matter of fact, it's now controlled by the Medo-Persian Empire. Isn't that interesting? They're the ones that overtook the Babylonian Empire. Daniel chapter 
5, verse 30, here's what it says in 31. It says, that very night, Belshazzar, the night what? The night that the Medo-Persian Empire overtook Babylon and defeated the Babylonian army. That very night, Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, that night, he died. And the king of the Chaldeans was slain. Now, there's actually a 17-year period to the next verse, and this is so important. It says, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. These two verses cover, again, a period of about 17 years. Cyrus the Great of Persia conquered Babylon in 539. That's when Belshazzar was slain, all right? Then Darius I becomes king of Persia in 522. Remember three weeks ago when we saw, when, when Daniel predicted this in the vision, he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And in that, there was a chart that I began to outline for you, successive kingdoms. I want you guys to see this, if you can pull that chart up. Number one, the Babylonian empire. Again, that's the empire that came and overtook Jerusalem and brought these young Jewish boys back. Well, that was from 612 to 539 BC. We ended up last week talking about where, where Belshazzar, again, he died. The Medo-Persian Empire. Now they come into play. You see how this works? Now they come and they come from 539 to 331. Daniel dies during this time. During the, Medo, during the Persian Empire, during that rule. After that is the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, and then the kingdom of God, the expanse of the kingdom of God. The question is, through this series, how does Daniel do? How does Daniel do in the Babylonian Empire? How does Daniel do in the Medo-Persian Empire? God's favor continually rested upon Daniel. Whether it was God giving him supernatural health and strength when he refused to eat of the king's portion, whether it was God giving him supernatural insight, interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream, or the hand writing on the wall, the encounter that God had with Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, God was with Daniel. He gave him supernatural strength. He gave him supernatural life. He gave him supernatural insight. He gave him supernatural grace to be able to stand. God was with Daniel. And by the way, God will be with you. Regardless of the authorities over you, sometimes you have good bosses, sometimes you don't have good bosses. Sometimes you have good environments, sometimes you don't have good environments around you, but God is with you. As a follower of Christ, God is with you. He guarantees his presence living in you and his power is with you. Some of you are here today. Some of you are listening at all of our campuses and you may find yourself in a toxic environment. Maybe it's a toxic work environment. Maybe it's a toxic school environment. Maybe the teachers that you have, maybe are not, they're, they're, well, they're not friendly to Christianity and they know that you're a Christian and, and maybe you feel like, man, this thing is hostile to my faith. Whether it's at work, whether it's at school, on the campus, or even in your own home. How do you deal with toxic environments? How do you deal with environments that are not friendly to your belief structure. Right now, you may be in a situation where you feel like you can't win. You feel like, man, whatever I do, it's like whatever I say, I'm over-evaluated, I'm persecuted for my faith. I feel like I can't do anything without, you know, everybody coming against me. Well, I want to assure you, I want to assure you that God sees your challenges. As a matter of fact, I want to assure you that God hears your prayers. I want to assure you that God is with you. <laughs> 
I tell you, one of the greatest things that we can know as followers of Jesus is that God is with us. Can everybody say that? Say, God is with me. Hey, when you know that God is with you, that's the majority. Are you with me? Even if you're alone in the sense of a, a human sense, no other humans are around, God is with you. And by the way, God was with Daniel. Whether it was under the Babylonian governmental system, whether it's under the Medo-Persian empire and that governmental system, God was with Daniel. And Daniel understood that. Now, it's what's interesting is some of you, sometimes God will deliver you from that environment. What I've found is, is that more times than not, God will strengthen you in that environment. As a matter of fact, I'll go a step further. God will not only strengthen you in that environment, God wants to make you an agent of change in that environment. So sometimes he delivers you. Sometimes he'll literally take you out of that environment and put you in a totally different. But more times than not, what I found in my life and in followers of Christ, God will not only strengthen you, but God has a mandate for you in that environment. It's to make you an agent of change. It's to utilize your life. God created us to be lights in a dark place. If God's taking all the lights out of dark places, guess what? Then darkness rules. God doesn't want darkness to rule. We are the light of the world. He puts us into dark situations. He, he leaves us in dark cultures. Why? Not to be overcome by darkness, to be change agents in the darkness. This is where we dive into Daniel chapter 6. Man, I am so excited about this. Because it's such a powerful depiction of a man of God thriving in a dark culture. Of a, of a person who honors God. Listen, not succumbing to culture, but making a difference in culture. Daniel is still serving in a high governmental position in the Medo-Persian Empire. It's now in the Persian government. It was the Babylonian government. Yet it is a highly toxic work environment. Why? Well, because he had distinguished himself as a man of high character, as a leader, and the Bible actually says this about Daniel. It says that Daniel had an excellent spirit. And I tell you what happens when you have an excellent spirit. I tell you what happens when you excel in work. Can I tell you something? Everybody's not all excited about that. Matter of fact, it stirs up jealousy and insecurity of your coworkers, people around you. He was the topic of lies and office gossip. He was put under tremendous pressure to conform to the culture and hide his face. Yet, because he refused to capitulate to culture, Daniel saw a profound shift. One that, listen, that tried to threaten his faith. Where he felt threatened by his faith. Why? There were, there were, there were people around him that were stirred up. They were, they were insecure because why? He kept thriving. And I want to encourage everybody at every one of our campuses, those of you that are watching online, let me just tell you something. Not everybody's going to be excited when you thrive. Not everybody's going to be excited in your workplace. There's spirits of jealousy and insecurity that rise up in people's hearts. Those attitudes of insecurity, you know, why is, what's happening to them? And, you know, why are they keep getting promoted? You see, the Bible says that Daniel had an excellent spirit. In other words, he was a man of character and integrity. You know what I found? That if you work hard, you have a good attitude, God's hands upon your life, you're always going to go up. You're going to go up in the sense of responsibility. Why? That's what Daniel did. 
I mean, after all, who doesn't want somebody working for them that has an honest, hardworking character? Y'all with me? I mean, look, let me just tell you something. Sometimes it's not that hard to succeed. Be honest. Work hard. Have a good attitude. Be God-honoring. Are you with me? That's where Daniel was. Question, Pastor, how can we make a positive impact in a toxic environment? Or an ungodly culture. I want to dive into Daniel chapter six and I want to just talk about three principles today which I believe will help all of us, watch this, be change agents. To be change agents. Whether it's in your home life, whether it's in your work life, whether it's on your campus, or even the nation that God has placed you. How can we be agents of change? Daniel chapter six is one of the best chapters in all of the Bible that teaches us by modeling after Daniel's life. I believe that every single one of us can be agents of change. Yes, sometimes God delivers us out of environments that are hostile, but more times than not, God empowers us to be change agents in that environment. Here we go. Number one, if you're taking notes, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and write this down. If we choose to live a God-honoring life, we are going to meet opposition. If we choose to live a God-honoring life, we are going to meet opposition. Daniel chapter six, verse one. Here we go. Here's what the Bible says. It pleased Darius, remember the Persian king, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above, watch this, above the governors and the satraps because he had an excellent spirit. Wow, he had a good work ethic. He had a good attitude. One of the keys to success, hard work, good attitude. He had an excellent spirit that was found in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm so the governors and the satraps sought to find some charges against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Wow. Notice the reason Daniel was opposed by his peers. It wasn't because he was lazy. It wasn't because he didn't do his job. It wasn't because he was late to work all the time. He wanted to leave early. He'd take a long extended lunch break. It wasn't any of those things. It was because, it was because something deep, deeper than that. There was a jealousy in them of the favor on his life. There was something on Daniel's life. What was God's favor? Just like we see about Joseph in the Bible. Wherever Joseph ended up, God's favor lifted him up. There was the favor, the hand of God was on Daniel's life. Daniel was opposed because others were, they were full of jealousy. They were full of envy. Hey, the king is noticing Daniel. I don't like that. Why is he not noticing me? Uh, why, this, he's, not even, he's not even a Persian. He's, a, he, he's from that other place. He, he's like, he doesn't even worship the same God we worship. He doesn't eat the same food that we, he doesn't, his accent is like, it's not even as good as ours. Why is the king honoring him? You ever been there before? 
Maybe you found yourself in a work environment. Maybe it's a home environment. Maybe it's with a sibling and Maybe your parents looked to you because they thought, well, you know what? And, and you thought, man, why is everybody picking on me? Maybe it's in a classroom. Maybe, maybe it's in some neighborhood, wherever it is. But for whatever reason, it's like there's this, this, this jealousy. But the truth is, it's not because of your lack of integrity. It's because of God's hand upon your life. God's hand was upon Daniel's life in a supernatural way. Daniel was excellent at his job. Verse 4 says that even though Daniel's peers were looking for something to tarnish his reputation with the king. They couldn't find neither corruption nor negligence. Daniel couldn't be bribed. He couldn't be sidetracked. He did his job with diligence and he did it with integrity. Daniel wasn't being opposed for doing things wrong, but for doing things right. Don't be excited. Listen, don't be excited when, when or let me say it this way. Let me flip it around. Don't be freaked out when you're doing a good job and not everybody's even excited about that. Because sometimes our success shines light on others' failure. That's what happened with Daniel. That's what happened with Daniel. Daniel's rivals couldn't find any dirt on him. Let me say this again. Daniel's rivals couldn't find any dirt on him, so they attacked his faith. Wow. Boy, isn't that Interesting. I wish I could tell you that if you live a godly life, Pastor Steve, if I serve the Lord, I mean, is everybody going to love me? Is everybody going to be excited about that? I mean, if I raise my hand and say yes to Jesus, surely I'm going to win the, 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 the most popular award. The problem is that's not necessarily true. What I found is that sometimes our pursuit of Christ actually exposes some of the things in other people. Paul said to his son in the faith, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he said, yes, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Wow. I remember when I was working in a restaurant, when I was in Bible school, I worked at a restaurant, and then when I graduated from Bible school and I Moved back to New Orleans. I graduated from college in 1991. In 92 and 93, when I was in Bible school in Dallas, I worked at a restaurant. Then when I came back in 93 and went to seminary, I worked at a restaurant as well for two years. So it was like a three or four year period of time I worked. And it was, I got to tell you something. I say this respectfully. I know there's people in our church that are in the restaurant business, but, but you would have to agree to me that when shifts end late at night, lots of crazy things happen. Lots of crazy things. And of course, I, everybody knew I was a Christian and they knew my pursuit of Christ, whether I was in Bible school. And of course, I would try to be friendly and work hard and do all that. But I got to tell you, there was times where it was pretty intense persecution to the point that they, I remember one time when I was in Dallas where they were just mocking me. They were just openly mocking me. And then I was walking back to my car. Some of them had gotten off a little bit earlier and, 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 they, were, and, and they were at a place together and I had to walk by. I was downtown Dallas. And I, I remember it was, man, they raised the pitch a little bit. And I remember I, I, it was, it was, it was kind of like they'd crossed the line and I, and I remember I had to dig deep down on the inside and I remember the words of Jesus. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Don't, don't, don't be freaked out by that. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel was persecuted because of his faith. Why do we suffer opposition when we try to live godly lives? It's because the enemy wants to knock us off our game. 
He wants to paralyze you, immobilize you in your pursuit of Christ. He doesn't want you to live a godly life. And he surely doesn't want you influencing others to live a godly life. If he can't keep you from pursuing Christ, then he'll try to do whatever he can to keep you ineffective as a believer. Where you just kind of stay neutralized and paralyzed and stay in the corner. And, and you never talk about Christ. And you, you don't let your light shine. In other words. So Satan puts up obstacles in our pathway. Daniel chapter 6 verse 7. Watch what we read. This is, this is so interesting. The Bible says all the governors of the kingdoms, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors, the advisors who consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. In other words, this was a really smart plan. They couldn't get him on his job performance. They couldn't get him on his integrity. They couldn't get him on, you know, he was late to work all the time. The guy had a bad attitude, doesn't show up. So they attack his faith. And they make a decree. They make a law. They make a law to attack his faith. Are, are y'all with me? I, I want everybody to hear what I'm saying right now. This is, this is very, very important to what I'm saying. They make a law to suppress his faith. And here's the law. Over the next 30 days, if anyone lifts their voice in any sense of worship to any other gods other than the king, King Darius. They should be thrown in the den of lions. Pretty smart strategy. Pretty good plan. Daniel's rivals seemingly had him trapped. They devised a scheme where Daniel would either have to hide his faith, cease being an influencer, or abandon his faith. Deny Christ. Daniel was being pressured to not stand up for God. You ever been there before? Sometimes the obstacles the devil puts in our pathway is peer pressure to conform to the group, to culture around us. It hurts. Listen, everybody wants to be liked. I mean, I mean who wants to be disliked? But, but, but Daniel was in, a, he was in a quagmire. He was in a quandary. He was, he was, he was in a very tight place. I want to just qualify something. I do not advocate, nor does church of the king advocate at any level that we should be obnoxious in our faith. That we get in the middle of a restaurant. Hey, I'm a Christian, everybody. I'm about to pray. I'm not talking about that. I don't believe that God gives us a license to be obnoxious for our faith. But I don't believe that we should hide our faith either. Does that make sense? I'm not going to make everybody in the restaurant pray, but you can't make me not pray. Does that make sense? So I, I don't believe that, 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 that in any way the Bible advocates us being, being irresponsible with our faith, nor does the Bible in any way encourage us to deny our faith. How can we face obstacles and opposition and maintain our integrity and keep strong in faith? It would have been so easy for Daniel to compromise and hide his faith just this once. After all, he would only have to hide his faith for 30 days. For 30 days. That's it. 30 days. For 30 days, there was a law and there was an expiration date. Don't pray to any other God. Don't lift your voice, but to Darius for 30 days. What you going to do, Daniel? What you going to do? Hey, by the way, we don't wait until we're in that situation to make that decision. Are you with me? 
You remember Daniel chapter one? Daniel purposed. Everyone say, he purposed. He already made a decision. It doesn't matter what culture. It doesn't matter if the Babylonians are in charge. It doesn't matter if the Persians are in charge. I've already purposed. I'm going to worship God regardless of the consequences. I'm going to honor Christ. So here it is. Number two. Are you guys with me? This is so appropriate to where we are. Here we are. If we're going to be agents of change, we must find security in God and in nowhere else. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the law was now enacted. He went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. Wow. He prayed every day. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. By the way, I want to say to young people, build the habits of pursuing God early when you're young and it'll stay with you through your whole life. You don't have to wait till your life gets beat up. Thank God for redemption. Thank God for another chance in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. But I mean, no, you can serve God when you're young and actually avoid some of that stuff and stay strong in the spirit. The Bible says, Daniel, from his early days, everyone say early days. He was a God seeker. He was a God seeker. Opposition is designed to make us feel insecure. It is. And this was a strategy of the enemy to make him feel insecure about his faith. Not his job performance, but his faith. It, was his, it wasn't his job. It was, it was his faith. And Daniel made a decision. That decision that day is he got down on his knees and, and he began to lift his voice. He opened the window towards Jerusalem and he lifted his voice. Listen to me. Guess who was watching? Those guys that made the law. Opposition is designed to make us feel insecure. And oftentimes we have two responses to insecurity. Number one, we try to overpower it. And you'll see this sometimes. We get obnoxious. We just get rude. And, 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 and we, we're going to shame people in the name of Jesus because we're going to show them. And we're going to scream at people. You know, and just, that, that, is, that is not... That is somebody who's insecure, hoping if they yell loud enough that they can quiet their insecurities. Are you with, I, I, I don't believe that's God's best. So we feel persecuted for our faith, so we're going to hold up a sign, and we're going to yell at somebody when they're walking out of a restaurant in the name of Jesus. Woo! I think there's something, you're trying to prove something, but on the other hand, I'm not going to capitulate to culture and hide my relationship with God. I'm not going to be obnoxious to try to overpower my insecurity, but I'm not going to capitulate and hide my faith either. Insecurity tries to put you to the extremes. I'm going to love God and we're going to be kind to people and we're going to be respectful to people, but we're not compromising our faith. We're not compromising our faith. Everyone say, Daniel made a decision. I'll never forget after I gave my heart to Christ, I was at a hunting camp. And uh, some people say, hey, Steve. And this guy said, hey, Steve, I heard you became a Christian, man. Heard you're serving Jesus. Tell me about it. He's kind of mocking me and everything. And of course, on the inside of me, you know, I just want to, you know, I just want to kind of get defensive. And, and you know, remember the, two, remember the two extremes when you feel insecure. One is you try to overpower your insecurity in the flesh. The other one is you try to hide your insecurity and you just kind of want to hope it go away. No, and I, and I remember saying, I said, well, you know what? I, I have made a recent commitment to Christ and 
I've made some changes in my life. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that's washed me and cleansed me. And, and uh, man, I'm not, I'm not ashamed. And, and of course, he started going through a litany. Are you going to do this? And what, I said, listen, honestly, it's about my belief in Christ and who Jesus is to me. And I'd love to talk to you about it more if you'd have an opportunity. I, I'd love to. But, but I remember there was a moment. Remember what insecurity does. It causes you to try to overpower in the flesh or to hide in fear. Listen, your faith will never be more attracted to others when they see you stay in peace in the face of opposition. Even when opposition increased from peer pressure to the death, to the threat of death for Daniel, he stayed in peace. Daniel stayed in peace. Let's see how the plan of the jealous administrators come to fruition. So Daniel lifts his voice to God and he violates the law. He violates the law. He lifts his voice and he violates the law of the land. The law of the land said, you cannot worship God. Daniel made a decision before that moment. I'm going to worship my God regardless of the cost. The next step for him is the lion's den. Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. Stay with me. So the king gave the command. And they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Let me tell you something. Daniel stayed in faith and peace. And one person who was immediately influenced was King Darius. When times are tough and you press into God, people can see it. Oh, I want to say that again. When times are tough and you press into God, people are watching your reactions. They're watching our reactions right now. Are we going to freak out? Are we going to try to you know, get real bombastic in our personality? Or are we going to hide? Well, I, are we going to be like Peter in the garden when the peasant girl came up to her? Don't you know Jesus? Nah, I don't even know the guy. When you stay in peace, when you respond in a positive way with the humility but with the strength. I love God. My heart is true to the one true God. And you walk in peace. When you keep pressing into God in the face of opposition and stay in peace, watch how God will use your life to influence your workplace. Watch how God will use your life to influence your home. Watch how God will use your life to influence your neighborhood. Watch how God will use your life. When you stay in peace, even in the face of opposition, watch how God will use your life, even your life, to influence your nation. When you stay in peace and confidence in God. Number three, and I'll close, as we stay confident in Christ, we will see him work wonders through us. So he's thrown into the lion's den. He refused to bow. He lifted his voice to God. He wouldn't deny his faith. He's thrown into the lion's den. Watch what happens and we'll close. Daniel chapter six, verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up, King Darius, and he hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut up the mouths of the lions and they've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, 
This is so powerful. No wound was found on him because he had trusted. He had trusted in his God. I wrote this down. People know it's impossible to stay in peace in the face of opposition unless you have something that's real. You ever heard that slogan? He's the real deal. Well, let me just say this. Jesus is the real deal. And when we have the real deal, the person of Christ by his spirit living in us, we have the real deal. You can't fake your faith in the face of opposition. You can't. You know when you squeeze a pea, you know what comes out of it? Let me tell you what comes out of it. Pea juice. You know when you squeeze an orange, guess what comes out of it? Come on, everybody say it. Orange juice. When you get squeezed, what comes out of you? Does Christ come out of us? Does the presence of Christ and the nine fruits of the Spirit, does a confident faith ooze out of us onto our family members, onto our work environment? Yeah. God was working miracles on Daniel's behalf. God shut up the mouth of the lion. And when that happens, listen to me, and when that happens, the world takes notice. When God shows up in our lives, the world takes notice. They're looking, and we live in a broken world, and a desperate world. The world is desperately waiting for some woman, some man of God to stand up. I'm not talking about a pastor or a priest. I'm talking about a Christian out there doing their daily life. They're waiting. And watch what happens. Watch what happens. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 20, 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and the peoples of every language in all the earth. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is a living God and he endures forever and his kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves and he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. Check this out. And he, referring to Daniel's God, has rescued Daniel from the power of this lion. Wow. Through Daniel, God moved culture that was hostile to God. It was hostile to God. Oh, it would have been so much easier for Daniel to press the rapture button, wouldn't it? God just took him out of there. And I do believe in a rapture, by the way. But we pray and we pray and we pray. And there are times when God takes us out of that toxic work environment. There's times when God takes us out of that hostile environment. But more times than not. He leaves us in that environment. And he's, because, let me tell you why, because he knows he's invested enough in you. Watch it, that you'll walk in faith, that you'll walk in peace, that the mouths of the lions will be stopped around you. He needs a Christian to stand in faith. Why, 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 pastor, why? I'll close with this. Because he wants to work signs and wonders through your life that the world can see it and know that God really is the true God. Come on. How many of y'all believe that? <clears throat> now, here's the key. We don't wait till we get in the den of lions to make a decision whether or not we're going to serve God. We don't wait. We don't wait. We make a decision. Daniel chapter 1, the Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart. We've got to make a decision. Are we going to serve God? 
Are we going to serve God regardless of the consequences? Are we going to love Jesus regardless? You make the decision now. So regardless whether you're in a favorable environment or an unfavorable environment, we're going to serve God. We're going to love God. Our hearts are going to stay true to God. Let me ask you this question at all of our campuses. Where, where are you with God? Are you right with God? Have you come to that moment where you have trusted Christ as your Savior? Don't wait till you're in the lion's head. Don't wait till you're in a fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't wait until you're in the trial to make a decision who your God is. You can decide today. I trust Jesus. The Bible says whoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved. And we surrender our hearts to the one who created us, the one who loves us, the one who died on the cross for us, who was buried and rose again on the third day. His name is Jesus. Question, do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed at the count of three, I'm just gonna ask for a show of hands. If you say, Pastor, pray for me, I need Christ. I'm not sure if I died today, I'm ready to stand before God. Would you do that? Let's all bow our heads right now. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. If that's you, at the count of three, one, two, three. Quickly, lift your hand to God. Say, Pastor, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. All of our campus pastors, are all of our, you're, you're on the stage at all of our campuses right now. Church, let's pray. Let's pray with those that are trusting Christ right now. Can we do that? Let's pray with every single person. Whether you're online, I want you to talk to your campus host. Let them know what God is doing in your heart right now. Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past. And I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of God taking root deep in every man and every woman's heart. I prayed that prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, can we do that? Amen. We love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Wow, what a great message. You know, this series it just keeps getting better and better. I know God's really been speaking to me through these messages, and I trust it's been the same way with you. And I can't wait to see what God has in store for us as we just continue on this journey together. Yes, the series has been so incredible. And if this is your first time with us, we'd love to get to know you, hear your story, and equip you to grow in your relationship with God. And the best way to do this is to join us at our online Next Steps today. For more information about Next Steps, you can text CONNECT to 822 822, and we'd love to see you there. You know what? We love you, and we can't wait to be with you again next week. So have a great week. And if you need anything this week, please reach out to us by emailing online at churchofthekingcom Have a great week.